I'm not pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So today I'm going to talk all about the design of Cold Snap. Uh, so I'm going to talk about where it came from. It's got a very interesting uh, design story. Uh, okay, so uh, we have to go back. Uh, and at this time, we were working on Ravnica, I believe. Um, now, back then, uh, we go back in the days, we used to make three sets a year. So uh, large set, uh, blocks, back in the days of blocks, there was a large set, a small set, a small set back in the day. Um, and we were definitely starting to tip our dip our toe into the idea of doing a fourth set. Every once in a while, there'd be a core set. But we were dipping our toe into having a fourth um, you know, standard legal set uh, that wasn't a core set. Um, so what happened originally was uh, the brand team, uh, at this point, uh, the brand team was separate from the R&D at this point. Now, nowadays, uh, the, it, it's tabletop magics altogether. But back in the day, this wasn't true. Um, and so the uh, brand team asked R&D and said to them, do you... Um, wants a summer set. And R&D said, you know, not really. You know, there's nothing jumping to mind. Yeah, yeah, let's not do a summer set. And everything was fine. And they came back, I don't know, six months later, and they're like, you know, we really would like a summer set. Um, and I remember uh, Bill, Bill Rose uh, was frustrated. He's like, well, six months ago, you know, like, if you really wanted to do one, how about six months ago when we said no, you go, well, we really want you to do it. Um, so we had to come up with an idea for a summer set. Um, and I think the two leading contenders, one was, this was the summer after Ravnica. I think Brady Dunnermith pitched the idea of, well, what if we have a set that's all 10 guilds, it's kind of this follow-up to the, the year of Ravnica, because each year of Ravnica, each set only had, you know, four or three guilds in it. And she's like, oh, maybe we could wrap it up, you know. So that was Brady's idea. Um, but another idea we had, maybe I had this idea. I, I don't even know where this idea came from, but it could have been my idea. Uh, we had, Magic at the time had blocks. Blocks had three sets in it. Every block had three sets except for one. So when uh, Ice Age came out, so Ice Age was designed by the East Coast Playtafters, um, Jim Lind, Scaff Elias, Dave, Pe uh, Dave uh, Petty, Chris Page. Um, and it was one of the sets that Richard Garfield had asked his play designers to design to sort of like, you know, the idea originally was we're going to put magic out. It's, at some point, we're going to need more expansions. And so they started working on them. No one knew how fast we would need expansions. Um, but anyway, they made Ice Age, and Ice Age was his own standalone thing. Uh, then later... The same team made alliances, and I, when they were making alliances, they didn't really, um, they weren't thinking, I mean, blocks weren't a thing yet. They were just making their own set. It was on Dominaria, because almost everything was on Dominaria, I guess, but, um, so it wasn't a similar location, but it, it really mechanically had nothing to do with alliances. I'm sorry, it was alliances. It had nothing to do with Ice Age. So what ended up happening is when they turned the set in, we, the developers at Wizards, knew that we were moving toward wanting a block structure. So the plan, Mirage, the very next thing, was going to be a block. So we wanted to introduce the idea of block. So we said, okay, this is the second set in the Ice Age block. So we sort of introduced it. 
uh, and alliances in development, we added some things to tie together. None of that was there in the design. It wasn't meant to be a follow-up to Ice Age. Now, we didn't do a lot. You know, it was just a little tiny touch of things. I mean, obviously, the flavor overlapped. It was still on Terracier. Um, but anyway, once Blocks became a thing, once Mirage did its Blocks and Tempest, and once Blocks started becoming a thing, we kind of retroactively said, well, you have Ice Age, and then you have Homelands, and you have Alliances, and... That's kind of the Ice Age block, even though it didn't make any sense to count Homelands because Homelands wasn't, it was from a, a completely different plane. Um, and so it, it was sort of sitting there. So one of the things that when we were brainstorming came up was uh, there's this idea in television where there's a lost episode uh, that happens, like the Honeymooners had one, where they'd record something and back in the early days, you know, they literally, someone could just put it in a vault and not realize it. And, you know, they, it went missing for years, for decades. And then somebody finds it and goes, oh, there's a, there's a lost episode. Um, and so we thought it might be funny to do like a lost, the, the equivalent of a lost episode. What if there was a lost set? You know, what if, you know, the Ice Age designers designed a third set, but they, it got lost. Our joke was, you know, we found it in a filing cabinet, you know, much like you find an old lost episode in a vault. Um, so the idea we had pitched was, what if we did the third set? Ice Age had Ice Age, had alliances, but there was no third set. What if this small set was the third set of the Ice Age block? Um, so basically the two big things we pitched were the Ravening of Follow-Up and the, uh, Cold Snap. What we ended up calling Cold Snap. The, the third Ice Age set. Or the lost Ice Age set. Uh, anyway, what happened was... Um, well, I was very excited for Ravnica. There was a lot of nervousness uh, by other people on Ravnica. And so they decided they, they didn't want to, they thought a fourth set in Ravnica would be too much. So they decided let's do the, the lost set of Ice Age. Um, now, because it was so late in asking, we did not have our normal period of time for design. Um, so we ended up doing design in six weeks, which is very, very short for magic design. Uh, it had its full development. Uh, once again, this is back in the day of design development. Um, so the design team, Bill Rose led the design team. I was on it, Aaron Forsyth was on it, and Devin Lowe was on it. Um, and we worked, I mean, while it only had a six-week design, we, that's all we did for six weeks. We very, were very focused. So while six weeks is crazy short, we also, we met a little more than you normally meet. Uh, so it wasn't like a normal meeting. We sort of were, we, we met every day, and so it was, it was a little more high high content. So even though it was six weeks, we did meet a lot more to try to get more work done. Although the best designs take time to percolate, so just meeting more doesn't always help you out. Anyway, so there were a bunch of challenges to making the set. So here, here were the key things we needed to care about. One is we wanted to feel like it was part of the Ice Age block. That was one. So the flavor mechanically, we wanted to, you know, we wanted to feel like that was the whole gimmick of the thing. Uh, and the second thing was um, Ice Age and Alliances were so long ago, it wasn't easy to get packs of Ice Age or Alliances. So we're like, okay, this is going to be drafted by itself. And so we wanted, and it's a small set. Um, I think, let's see, the set had in it, um, there were 155 cards, 40 rare, 50 uncommon, 60 commons. Um, I don't think it had basic lands because it was a small set. And uh, there's no, um, Mythic Rare was far from being a thing yet. So, okay, so that's the two big things. How do you make it feel like Cold Snap? Or, sorry, how do you make it feel like the an Ice Age set? And then how do you make it draft by itself? Okay, so the first thing we did 
is we sort of looked at the mechanics that existed in Ice Age, right? What, what did Ice Age do? Um, so one of the challenging things about Ice Age and alliances is, A, alliances didn't really have a lot of named mechanics. It did have something. We'll get to that in a second. Um, and Ice Age, it introduced some things. So Ice Age had uh, the first cantrips, what we call slow trips, because they were cantrips, except you didn't draw the card right away. So you would draw the card at the beginning of next turn. Uh, it had cumulative upkeep. Uh, it had snow-covered lands. Um, what else did it? I mean, it, 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 there wasn't a lot. Like, most of the things that it had, either we had, choose, we had chosen to incorporate into magic, like cantrips became a normal part of magic, or we're like, eh, you know, snow-covered or cube of upkeep are things we ended up sort of way not doing much anymore. But we're like, okay, look, we're, we're making an Ice Age set. And so we made use of the stuff. It had slow trips, it had cumulative upkeep. Uh, we definitely messed around a little bit and had some fun with, like, where could we put cumulative upkeep? Are there weird and quirky cumulative upkeep costs we could do? We had some fun there. Um, uh, so snow, uh, in Ice Age, snow, there were just snow-covered lands. And there were cards that either cared or didn't care about the snow-covered lands. But that's all snow-covered was. Um so we decided to expand it out. And so what we did is we made Snow a super type. Um, so we did a couple things. We made Snow a super type. So now not just the basic lands could be snow-covered, but creatures or enchantments or whatever could be snow-covered. Um, and then we made a mana symbol, a snow mana symbol, which meant you needed to use mana produced by a snow permanent. So any creature or uh, any permanent... Could be a creature, could be a land, could be an artifact that was a snow permanent. If it tapped produced mana, that mana was considered snow mana. Um, now, you could have red snow mana or blue snow mana, but it was considered snow mana, and you could pay snow cost. And the snow cost looked like a little uh, snowflake. Um, uh, also, there was one thing we borrowed from alliances. Alliances didn't have a lot, but one of the things that alliances is probably most famous for is pitch cards, uh, force of will being the most famous. So a pitch card basically is a card you, instead of, um, casting it with the mana cost, instead of paying its mana, you can discard a card of the same color. Um, so we did more of those. So we really sort of looked through the set and tried to figure out sort of like what, what, what we could, what we could work with. Um, and it was definitely, it was, I mean, the, the short timeline didn't help, but it was very challenging in trying to figure out the right way to make use of all the different component pieces. A lot of it also was trying to expand upon stuff. One of the things about the block model was the first set would introduce something and usually the second and third set were to extrapolate on it. So a lot of what we were trying to do with some of this stuff is, oh, we have cube of upkeep, but we're trying new costs. You know, we have snow, but we made snow a permanent type and now there's mana and, you know, pitch, we tried to do some different things with pitch cards. So we were definitely trying to do that. Now, the other thing that really shaped us was this idea that we wanted it to be draftable unto itself. Because um, normally if you draft a set by itself, it's a large set and not a small set. And so this definitely was a little bit different in that regard. So the two mechanics that we put in the set were both designed to be flavorful, you know, feel like they made sense at a nice age, uh, you know, in, in an Ice Age block, um, but also played well in um, a small set draft. So the the main one we made for that purpose was called Ripple. 
So Ripple says, Ripple N, and being a number, when you cast this spell, you may reveal the top N cards of your library. You may cast any revealed cards with the same name as this spell without paying their mana cost. Put the rest of the bot- on the bottom of your library. So the idea essentially was Ripple was a, what we call a collect me mechanic. And so we definitely played around with a bunch of collect me mechanics because we wanted... we. What we were trying to do is take what was going to be a negative, which was you're going to get a lot of repetitions of commons because you're drafting with only a small set, and try to like try to make a feature out of a bug, if you will. And so the idea is, well, if you can get a lot of the same card, and so the ripple mechanic was made to make you want to collect them. Uh, we did another card by some card by card designs that made you want to collect them. Um, but we kind of leaned into that. That one of the things about the set was going to be that you needed to. Um, that you you needed to in drafting want to get multiples of it. Um, the other thing you'll notice is like Ripple doesn't let you in limited. You can play as many as you have. Where in constructed you can't. So Ripple was a little more um, can be a little bit stronger in limited because you could draft more of them. Where in constructed you are limited to having four. Okay. The other mechanic is called recover. Uh, so recover has a cost. Uh, <coughs> sorry, it says recover and has a mana cost. When a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay cost. If you do, return this card from your graveyard to your hand. Otherwise, exile this card. Okay, so what this card was trying to do... Um, I can't remember the name. Um, it was trying to... There, uh, what's the card? And Ice Age had a card that when it went to the graveyard, uh, if there was exactly one creature on top of it, you could get it back. Uh, so they were trying to do that. But the thing that had happened since the time that we had made Ice Age, um, graveyard ordering stopped mattering. Uh, that up through, I think, Tempest Block, um, there were cards that cared about the order of your graveyard. What we found was that was pretty annoying, that um, having to, like, not be able to mess with your graveyard was sort of a pain. So we stopped doing that in Tempest Block and haven't done it since. Graveyard matter hasn't mattered since then. But... When we first designed this mechanic, we first made Recover, the earliest version of it said, hey, if there's a creature directly on top of this, you can pay to get it back. Uh, and I, I was like, okay, guys, you got... Um, so I think this happened... I think Recover happened not in their initial design, but for in development. Because I remember going to... Randy Bueller was the lead developer. Going to Randy and saying, what are you doing? We're not reintroducing Graveyard Matters. And Randy was like, well, we're doing a throwback. Graveyard matter mattered in Ice Age. I'm like, no, 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 no. And so what I said to him is, look, I think we can duplicate a lot of what you want without having to have graveyard order. So the idea essentially is, um, how do you say that a card is directly below a creature? Well, what if it triggers when a creature dies? But like when a creature dies, you have this window to get it back. But, you know, it's when the first creature dies after it's in the graveyard, that's your window. If you don't pay it then, then you miss on it. Um, now, did Recover come out amazing? I mean, I it is I 100% believe it was the right call not to have Graveyard Order Matter. Um, Recover ended up being not too, you know, the, I mean, obviously it got played within the confines of Limited, but uh, I don't think Recover got played much else, that I, to my knowledge. Um, Ripple, so Ripple ended up being, a, uh, Ripple was very powerful in Limited, and... Um, in Cold Snap Draft, the I, I think Ripple ended up being a little too good. Um, the best strategies, if you ever happen to be in a Cold Snap, Cold Snap, Cold Snap Draft, uh, the Ripple cards are very strong. I don't remember exactly what's the strongest of the Ripple cards. My gut said it was red. Um, 
But anyway, so so what essentially happened is we spent six weeks, we made the file, we handed it over. I don't think Recover was there when we handed it over. Ripple was, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then we, the set had a full development. So it had a full development. It had a rush design, but a full development. Um, and then it was a time for it to come out. So the, so, uh, the funny story about that is... Um, so we really liked the idea of a lost episode. You have a lost file, right? And so the idea was that we wanted to push this, this story of the set was lost. But it was never our intention for people to think it was like, it was always meant to be tongue in cheek. That was the intent. The idea that we've, it was lost, in, you know, it was lost in a thing. And we did a lot of things to sort of, um, like, we made a lot of hints in our, like, in the thing that announced it. We did all sorts of subtle hints that this isn't real. This is a joke. Um, like, uh, I mean, like, I think, it, uh, for example, the, the code name of the set on the cards was rock and roll, which implied that the code was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, which we never would have done. There were a lot of little subtle things that sort of saying, hey, this is a joke. Um, but the biggest problem is Randy Bueller decided that he wanted to do the announcement. Um, and... I think the thing is, I had a reputation for sort of messing around with the audience. I did a lot of silly things. But Randy really, his, his, whenever he'd interacted with the audience, he'd been very straightforward. So having Randy as the voice where we're trying to go tongue-in-cheek didn't work. So Randy said we found it. It was, it was lost in a, a file. We found it. Uh, so what ended up happening was the audience got kind of mad because as they figured out it wasn't true, they felt like we lied to them. When the intent had always been tongue-in-cheek. It wasn't... We weren't trying to make people think we actually... Found, I mean, for... for the, the set clearly was designed with modern intentions and stuff. And a lot of things about it were very much using modern design technology. So, um, the, the, the story was we found it and then we, you know, we developed it and, and updated it. Um, but anyway, what ended up happening was I ended up writing... I, I ended up having to write something and sort of explaining that it was a joke and that, you know, we weren't being serious about it. Um... So I did. I did clarify. Um, what are the other good stories about them? So the set came out. Oh, the other interesting thing about the set. Uh, so we had an interesting marketing challenge. So the set that followed Cold Snap was Time Spiral. So Time Spiral's whole gimmick was, you know, remember it was past, present, future. So it was all about the past and nostalgia. But here we had a set, Cold Snap, that was right before it, that also was kind of about the past. Like, the whole gimmick of it was, remember Ice Age? Remember Alliances? We're the third set. And so, there was a lot of tricky, of, we, we didn't really, I mean, when we chose to do Cold Snap, we didn't really think about the set that was following it. And so, there was some weird marketing challenges of trying to figure out how to market times, market Cold Snap and it means that made it not sort of step on the toes of how we marketed Time Spiral. Um, so Cold Snap came out. Um, it wasn't super well received. I, I, I think, like I said, the, the, the set's design was done quickly. It, it, it's in retrospect, looking back, um, there's elements of it I like. I mean, the, I think the, the, ironically, the snow super word, which we were very skeptical about, I think ended up being having a lot more legs to it. Um, the thing that's interesting is so so real quickly uh, a little history of snow. So snow first came out in Ice Age, and uh, we well R and D's thought I, I wasn't here when Ice Age came out, but our, our thought on Ice Age was that we didn't think snow covered was really well done. 
Um, the biggest problem with it was it was supposed to be something that was that you want to put in your deck, uh, but more of the cards hurt you for having it than helped you for having it. Um, and so there were a couple cards that made you want to play, uh, play uh, Snow-Covered Land, but it just wasn't really well balanced. Um, and then we had a little tiny bit in Alliances, more so to feel like it was part of, of Ice Age. Um, so we did a lot of revamping of it. Uh, and it's funny, I really didn't think Snow would come back. I, if you would ask me, if you look at like my... Um, uh, of, of, you know, when I, I, I rate, what I, you know, the storm scale, when I rate things, I don't think I ever rated it really high. Um, but uh, in Modern Horizons, we ended up having needing something, and it kind of, we were looking for a tweak to our, we wanted dual lands, and players have been asking for snow-covered dual lands for a while, and so we're like, well, but if we're going to do snow-covered dual lands, we want to make, you know, we, we need, so snow sort of got, brack, got brought back in Modern Horizons and went very well, so much so that we then used it in call time. So this mechanic that I, I really, if you, you'd asked me 10 years ago, like, you know, is snow coming back? I guess people did because I had, I had the storm scale. Um, I was very skeptical it's coming back, and now it definitely seems to be a thing that people really enjoy, so... Um, it, it is funny that probably the biggest success of Cold Snap, looking back on it, uh, was the Snow Super type. So that, that, I, that I didn't expect. Um, yeah, anyway, so the set comes out. It wasn't super, um, wasn't super popular. Uh, I, I think it was, it was it, for a long time, it, it was sort of looked down upon. I, I think there's certain elements of it, like the Snow Covered, that over time have uh, made people look at it in a slightly better um, eye. Okay, so let me talk about some of the cards that are in the set. Uh, just sharing stories and stuff. Um, okay, first up, I will tell the story of Mishra's Bobble. So Mishra's Bobble costs zero. It says, tap, sacrifice Mishra's Bobble, look at the top card of target player's library, draw a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. So um, this was a riff. So there's a card called Urza's Bobble in original Ice Age. Um, in fact, I, t- I talked about Urza's Bobble. I did a uh, podcast on zero-cost things. Um, so I probably talked about Mishra's Bobble in that same podcast. But uh, this is a, just a good example of we were trying to um, make references while we could. So I just, as I'm talking about this, I'm like, I just talked about this. In the, so I won't go too deep into it. But it's a good example where we were trying to find areas where we could take it and we can riff off it and find cool things to do with it. Um, okay, next up, we'll talk Dark Depths. So Dark Depths is a legendary snow land. Dark Depth comes into play with 10 ice counters on it. Three, remove an ice counter from Dark Depths. When Dark Depths has no ice counters on it, sacrifice it. If you do, put an indestructible legendary 2020 black avatar creature token with flying. Name Merit Lage into play. And so, uh, the, the, so the fun of this was um, we wanted... So Merit Lage in the story gets frozen in ice. Um, and so... I think what happened was we wanted we thought it would be fun to make a Merit Lage card, but then the like the creative team was like, well, but he's Merit Lage. She, I think it's she actually. Uh, Merit Lage is trapped under ice. You can't have a Merit Lage card. Um, and so we're like, okay, how can we have a Merit Lage card that doesn't negate the flavor of you know like we can't just have a card called Merit Lage because like well Merit Lage at this point in the story is trapped in ice. But we're like, what if what if the trapped in ice was part of the card? Uh, and so we came up with this fun design where, like, okay, well, it starts in the ice, but you can chip away at it. Um, 
And, you know, you need to get 10 ice counters. So you spend three to get an ice counter. I'm sorry, it comes into play with 10 ice counters. And it's three to remove an ice counter. So you got to chip away at the ice. Um, anyway, this card has become very popular, um, partly because it makes a 2020 creature and partly because there's some shenanigans where you can get rid of the ice counters a little fast faster. Um, but it's definitely been a very fun card. And so it is definitely neat to do that. Okay, next up, Commandeer. So five blue, blue, instant. You may remove two blue cards in your hand from the game rather than pay Commandeer's mana cost. Gain control of target non-creature spell. You may choose new targets for it. Um, so the idea here is I'm stealing your spell and then I'm getting to make use of whatever it is. So um, because it's non-creature, if it's a permanent, I gain control of it. If it's a spell, I, I assume I choose new targets and stuff. Um, okay, if that spell is an artifact or enchantment, the permit comes to play under your control. Um, this is kind of noob. Now, okay, so the thing we did with the pitch spells is we decided to make a cycle in which there were larger effects, but you had to pitch two cards. Um, we had done pitch cards originally in Alliances. We had done them again in Mercadian Masks. Um, and pitch cards are, are definitely a, a really cool thing. The idea that I don't even need mana to cast them, but the requirement to have two cards, you know, definitely made it a bit different. Um, and Commandeer is the, uh, the most popular of this cycle. Um, the cycle. The, the ability to be able to steal something or change a spell um, is pretty powerful when you don't have to spend mana. Uh, because you have to require, you have to discard two blue cards. It, it mostly goes in a heavy blue deck. That was the idea behind the pitch cards, also of making it require two cards. Is it allowed us to make them such that it wasn't easy to put multiple cards, multiple pitch cards in the same deck. They really dedicate a certain color. We thought that was cool. Okay, another popular card, Counterbalance, blue blue enchantment. Whenever an opponent plays a spell, you may reveal the top card of your library. If you do, counter that spell if it has the same converted mana cost as a revealed card. Okay, I'm pretty sure I made this spell. Um, the idea was we wanted something that could counter... Um, we wanted something that could some of the time counter spells, but not all the time. So the idea is we liked something that was um, sort of like, well, once in a while. Now, when it was originally designed, the intent of it was it was a little more random, Um that, yeah, counter spells, but you don't control it, and, you know. So over time, you will counter spells, but there's a lot of variance in how much you counter. Um, now, as often the case, uh, this card's become pretty good, but that's because there are things like scry and top and just means to interact with the top card of your library. Um, so now, uh, when people use it, at least in more competitive things, there's a more manipulation of the top of the library. So it's not, not quite as random uh, as the card was originally sort of designed to be. Okay, uh, another, next up, let's see if I can find it. Um, so the next one is called, is it Scred? So Scred, it costs one red mana, instant. Scred deals damage to target creature equal to the number of snow permits you control. Um, so this was, so I think Cold Snap kind of went the reverse way. Um, our concern in Ice Age was that you got two punished for snow, so we went a little bit the other direction. I mean, there are there are ways to punish you for snow, but uh, this sets a, has a little more rewards for snow. Scred being probably the most famous one, because um, for one red one red um, mana, you can do a lot of damage if all your lands are snow covered. If you know uh, are snow, uh, your creatures can be snow. Your other permits can be snow. You really can build decks where Scred is very very powerful. And it was one of the things that definitely shaped 
sort of how um, how the environment with Cold Snap played out. Um, uh, I think spread is the main reason why there's a period of time where a lot of snow got played in decks because spread was just so powerful. Um, I'm trying to think other things we did here. Uh, um, okay, also here, Arkham Dagson, three and a blue, legendary creature, human artificer, two, two, uh, tap, target artifact creature's controller, sacrifices it. That player may search his or her library for a non-creature artifact card, put it into play, then shuffle his or her library. Um, so this was playing around in space that, uh, um, the idea that I turn one artifact into another artifact, uh, I would, uh, Tinker was me messing in this space in a way that got a little dangerous. Um, I, I was trying to remake a, a spell from Antiquities that I really liked and ended up making a very broken card. R&D believes my most broken card in Tinker. Uh, this is sort of playing in that space but trying to be a little safer. Um, it also allows you to... You can, you can make the opponent change or you can make yourself change. So you target artifact creatures controller. So you can target any artifact. You control or they control it. Um, but it, he's an inventor, and so it's, it was kind of fun to mess around. Like, he can turn one thing into another. We thought that was really cool. Um, another here, one other legendary creature before I wrap up for today. Darien, King of Keldor. Uh, legendary creature, human lord, 3-3. Three, three. Whenever you're dealt damage, you may put that many 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens into play. Um, this is another popular card. One of the things that we try to do with this set is, um, we really went back and looked at characters that had been referenced in the novels or the stories and try to find characters that hadn't had their, had their card yet. Um, and Ice Age had had a, a bunch of novels and there were a bunch of things that sort of called out other characters and flavor text and stuff. And so we really were looking for opportunities to take some of these characters you've heard about, but didn't have a card yet and build a card for them. Anyway, guys, I can see my desk here, so I'm almost done. Um, Cold Snap is an interesting story. Uh, it was something that we sort of got f- pushed into doing. It was not something we had signed up for. Um, I do think that a lot of cool things came out of the design. I'm not saying it's the best design in a vacuum. Um, but stuff like Snow came out of this, and there's other things that have gone on, to, you know, definitely been stuff that people enjoy, the individual cards that people enjoy. Um so I, I look back, and it's, it's fun sort of exploring old sets, and this was a quirky set. Um, it did teach me to have more than six weeks for design. Uh, th- that is something we shouldn't repeat ever. Um, so, and just so people are aware, I mean, the nowadays design, you know, we have uh, two months of exploratory design, four months of vision design, and then all sorts of, you know, set design uh, can be uh, up, up to a year. It's a little smaller than, I think, 10 months. Um, but anyway, it is... It is fun looking back, so I hope you guys enjoyed a little peek into um, Cold Snap. Uh, and I will also want to say, uh, one of my goals is I'm trying to go back and hit all the different sets that I haven't had a podcast about. So my ultimate goal one day is to have podcasts about every set. And I'm not, I'm more than halfway there, but I, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff I haven't talked about. So I, I'm planning over time to try to catch up with some of the sets I haven't talked about yet. But anyway, guys, I'm now at my desk, so we all know what that means. It means at the end of my drive to work. Instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. See you guys next time. Bye-bye.